Good evening. Hi. My voice is fine because I did no cheering this afternoon, so don't worry about it. I won't be like Ryan. I'm from Cincinnati, and so everybody's been giving me crap all day because the Bengals lost. And so I'll just get it out there, okay? You, you, you good? Everybody good now? Okay. It is kind of sad. I've been waiting seven months for that game. You can ask my wife. But on a much happier note, that first song we sing, Everything Glorious, has my wife singing, by the way, in case you didn't know. She's pretty hot. Um, that was the song we came down the aisle to after we were married. So every time I hear that song, I get pretty excited because that was, it was a pretty good day. We got a rainbow like, the whole nine yards. It was weird. It, was like, it wasn't like today. So when I, when I have days like today, I think back to the day when I get married. That song's playing. Rainbow comes out. Everything's good. And then the Bengals won the Super Bowl. <laughs> but that's never happened. So, okay, let's get off that garbage. Oh, welcome. Well, whoa, did you hear that? That was crazy. Um, a couple of things before we dive in, uh, just a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, I'm, as I'm looking around the room, there's, you got your bulletins. There's announcements in there you guys can read. I'm, I'm not going to go over all of those, but there's one that's really important. Here at Bethany, one of the things that we think is really, really, really important is discipleship. Discipleship's a really, really, really important thing, especially as I look around, and most of us are under the age of 25, I'm assuming. I'm so stoked to see Helen here. Hi, Helen. Me and Helen are tight. Um, But it's really important that we we disciple and we disciple well. And, And one of the reasons I'm saying that is because I didn't get discipled well for a long time, and I know the ramifications of that, of kind of the damage that I can do when I'm not taught well. And so uh, there's a way for you if you're interested in getting discipled or actually discipling somebody if you feel like you're called to that. We need people discipling younger kids, like I'm talking about middle schoolers, high schoolers, um, and then so on and so forth. But if you want to be discipled yourself, we have a program that you can go through. It's called uh, Design For. And basically, we just give you the sheet, you fill it out, and it helps us match you with people who would be a good candidate for um, discipling you. And, and basically what that looks like is this. There's a sheet, one's designed for the world, one's designed for the, the church. And when you fill it out, you just check off your passions, your areas of interest. And a good example is we, ha- we have um, an older lady and a younger lady who are matched up right now because the older lady, when she went through the class, she checked that she was interested in... Um, and eating disorders, and, and so I called her, and we talked about it, and it came to find out that in high school, she really struggled with this, and she actually had conquered it, and it had been a big thing in her life, and it was something she loved to talk to young women about. Well, I had a, I had a young woman who was struggling with that, and we were able to put them together, so it's not just discipleship in a generic form. We actually want to find where people are struggling, where they want help, where they need things, and put them together in a way that would work because I, I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced this. Have you ever gone to a small group or get set up? Or you go to a church or something, maybe it's happening right now, and you get there and you go, This is not going to work. And you just like, Nope, not for me. We're trying to avoid that, and that's what that's all about. So if you're interested in that, please talk to me afterwards. We'd love to plug you in. So that's the only announcement I'm going to give tonight. Tonight we're talking about freedom. And in case you didn't know, we preach the same message in the morning as we do in the evening. So if you're here, Double Dipping Lauren and Nikki, hi. Um, and, um, th- th- that's great. We encourage that because you're going to get a different message. The key points are going to be the same, but the message is going to be very different because Tom and I are about as different as we could be. So, um, so just as a heads up on that for future references. But we're going to go ahead and dive in. Let me pray, and then we'll just get, we'll get to work. Father God, uh, 
I just pray right now that uh, you will forgive me of all my sins of anywhere I've fallen short. Uh, just way too many to name, and, and, and I'm sorry for that, God. So God, just as, as we share time, we, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be present. They'll be moving through this room. They'll be moving through me. And that, God, I, I just pray any of my opinion or anything I want to say will be removed, but just strictly what you're calling me to teach tonight will come out. God, I pray that we'll have open hearts to receive. And God, uh, we just ask that you uh, make us look a whole lot different than when we came in when we leave. In your name I pray, amen. Cool. Okay, we're in John chapter 8. Um, I'm going to have the scriptures up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. If not, there's some, because the first service is really clean. They decide when they're done with Thursday, they just like to throw them on the floor. They may be on the floor or in the, or in the seat in front of you. Um, so you can grab one of those if you want. But um, we're going to be in John chapter 8, verse 31 through 59. And we're going to be talking about freedom tonight. And uh, so when we were preparing this, Tom and I, we got together and we're preparing this sermon. We get, we're, we're talking about it. We're working through it. And sometimes, just to be honest, you find something that somebody else did and it's better than anything, you, any way you could have ever put it. Has anybody ever done that? Like, especially when you're like writing a paper or something. It's like, oh, if I just plagiarized this, it'd be so much better than I could write it. So I'm going to go ahead and do that, but I'm going to go ahead and cite it. This is a guy named Matt Chandler. And this is what he has to say about freedom. And I'm just going to read this to you word for word because he just said it so well. And I just want us to grasp this, and this is kind of like the base for where we're going tonight. Um, so here it is. We all want freedom. It's what drives us. And just to be completely honest with you, freedom is the root desire in every man and every woman's heart. It is the driving force behind everything we do. All of us, all of us born into a fractured world feel the weight of the fracture from very early on. And so we start to try to fix that yearning, that longing inside of us. So everybody in this room... The reason you're trying to, fi to fix the yearning and everything that's going on is because you want freedom. Some of you are driven to be lazy, and that's freedom. The reason you're, push you're pursuing relationships or you're hiding from relationships. The reason you're honest or the reason you're a liar is that you're searching for freedom. Freedom from the things that haunt you, freedom from the gnawing inside of you, freedom from the things that weigh you down, freedom from the inner turmoil. We're all seeking it. We all want it. And the claim of Christ is, I've called you to it. The claim, that's the claim of Christ. All of you are after freedom. All of you are after wholeness. All of you are looking for the reestablishment of the rhythmic life that God instituted before sin entered the world. And that is what Jesus came for. You're complete and, and boundless from freedom. That's what he had to say. I mean, I could just seriously just like read you the text now and we could just go home and you'd be like, yeah, because that's what I did. But I'm not going to do that tonight. What, what, what I want us just, can, can we, it's a small group, and I really like this. I, I get really excited about being in a smaller group, and, and some people would say, oh my gosh, there's nobody here. I'm really excited about it because I think it kind of gives us the ability to be just a little bit more intimate with each other in, in the way that we, we kind of, okay, you're not going to talk back because I have a microphone and you don't, but <laughs> it, it, it seems like you could. I mean, we, I guess we could do that if you wanted, but. <laughs> Where am I going? Um, what I, what, what I want to do is I want to challenge us to be really honest about this tonight. And, and for me, just even if I'm sitting, it's easier when there's less people around. I don't know what that is. Maybe that is for you too. But I want to challenge us that if we're in a small group here, I want to really challenge us to really push ourselves in this area to be honest about it. Because in preparing this, I found myself being extremely dishonest with myself. Because 
Freedom is something that we, in America, I mean, how many of us have heard the, heard the whole thing? You know, like, I, I have four younger sisters. It's a free country. I can do whatever I want. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody have siblings ever hear that? Ever have friends say that when you're in middle school? It was like what everybody said. And you weren't really that free in middle school. They told you when to eat and when you could go to the bathroom. You weren't that free. But we would say that all the time. But just being honest, in this country, we say things like, you know, I hold on to my freedoms very tightly. If any of us in here have ever gotten to really travel the world and see different things outside of just our country, or even within our country, there's places where we get to see this, is, is a lot of places that I've experienced, I would say we are much less free than a lot of places. Um, my personal example would be my wife and I, we spent some time in Africa. And we, we just got to see these people who, I mean, I, I really envied the lifestyle, I mean, I, I work in a church, right? And so I worry about what this is going to look like. I'm, I'm a pastor here, and I want, I want this to be good. I want God to bless it. I want him to honor it. And I really get caught up in the lighting, what things are going to look like. And I think those are important things. I'm not knocking those things because we, we're visual people, especially in the United States. And th- those are all good things. But I remember Ari and I, we, uh, th- they asked us to go to church with them this one day. And they, my, my wife's wearing a skirt, you know, to church because that's the appropriate thing. But they didn't. But then they handed us mountain bikes, and we rode several miles on a single track trail into the middle of nowhere. And we showed up, and and, and it's this little tiny clay hut, like dirt, mud, and clay hut. And and I walk in, and all the children start screaming and running away. And the guy looks at me, and goes, "Don't worry, it's not you. That's just the first time they've ever seen white people." And I'm like, holy cow. And so I just throw dum-dums all over the floor, and they all love me. And that's, that's what you do when you can't speak the language. And, and, and so I get in there, and they ask me to preach. And, and, and here's the crazy thing, is they couldn't understand a word that I said. Not one word. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're nodding. And then they go, okay, now it's time to do music. And they go outside of the hut, and they practice while we sit inside. There's like seriously like 10 of us. So half the group goes outside. And they come back in and they sing. And we just had church. That's freedom. Do you see what I mean? I mean, I felt very fulfilled in, in that moment. And, and I'm not saying that that's what we're going to start doing here. Because we have resources at our disposal that they didn't have just being honest. But, but, but that was freedom. Well, one of the greatest things about working in the mission field is this is you get there and once you pay what you pay, you're there. You don't have to go to work, right? I don't know if anybody else has ever been in this position. You don't have to work. You just go there and you do your thing. And you just feel this, like for me, like an economic burden was lifted when I was there. Just, I, I just think that, being honest, that we all have a lot of weight. A lot of things we need to be freed from. Uh, for me, for years, it was substance abuse. In just different areas, you know. Um, I, 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 need, I needed freedom from all those things. And so I'm rambling, so let's start reading the Bible because that's much better than what I have to say. The interesting thing is this, is Jesus has called you and I to freedom. But to be honest, I think very few of us are actually experiencing it the way that he talked about it. So the question is, what's in the way? What's in the way of us being free? Well, I'm not being mean, and I'm not trying to come down to you, but it's you. 
It's, it, it's me. It, 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 it's myself. And I'm going to give you, and there's three areas that we, we're calling the games you play. There's three games that we play where ourselves are just way in the way. John 8, 31 through 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, just so you know, this, just some context around this. They're just coming out of temple, so there's some really religious dudes that are with him here. Okay, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay, let's, let's, break, this, let's break this text down a little bit because if we don't understand this, the rest of it really doesn't make any sense, okay? First off, what does the word abide mean? It means to remain in, to be in. So Jesus is saying, if you abide in me, which means if you are in me, if you are following me, and it doesn't mean when things are just good or bad, because it's a, it, I think it's easier to follow Jesus when everything's going well. So it, it means to abide, to remain in throughout, regardless. If you abide in my word, what happens? You are my disciple, and you know the truth. How do you know the truth? That's, that's an interesting saying today in our world. It's something that's heavily debated. It's something that some people strongly disagree on. The truth is Jesus. It, 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 it's, it's the man-godness of Jesus. That, that is the truth, and I am just telling you that. You're going to have to wrestle with that and figure that out on your own. Because because be, be honest, I could give you tons of facts on why I think Jesus is the truth, but to be honest, until the Holy Spirit would fall on your heart and change it, and you would understand that, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. So what, I, so what I'm saying is, truth is Jesus. Very deep. I know all your minds are blown. Like, thank, I'm so glad I came tonight. That just changed my world. But... Just being honest, that's what he's saying. That if you abide in him, you become his disciple, which means you follow him. You follow him and you follow him so closely. And when you follow him so closely, then you know him. And when you know him, you're free. I don't know if that just weighed on anybody's heart here. I'll just repeat it. That when you remain in him, when you abide in him, constantly pursuing him, you become a disciple, which means you are somebody who just wants to be behind him. And you have to understand the context of the people you're speaking to. These were people who the highest level of society was to follow a rabbi to follow so closely, to cling on to almost. If you, go to, if you go to Jerusalem today, you still see this going on. And it's, it's a really neat thing. I've never been to Jerusalem. I really want to see it. I've read a lot about it. Where like literally, the disciples will follow their rabbi into the bathroom. That's weird, I understand. But, but they follow them everywhere. This is what Jesus is saying. Because then if you follow me everywhere, and you don't leave my side, then you're going to know me. And the truth, you know the truth, and that's what frees you. So the question is, is 
one, I mean, we don't have to get really deep and philosophical. Like, I wanted this to be more personal tonight. But if, you, if you're struggling with freedom, how closely are you following Jesus? What kind of level of priority does he have in your life? I mean, is this a drag for you? And it has been for me, and I'm not saying this as a condemnation on the people sitting in this room. Is the word of God a drag? Is going to church a drag? Is, is being in community with other believers a drag because they're kind of weird? We are. Verse 33 says this. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you, you will become free? This is the first game we play, and the first game is called Pride. What they're saying is this, is they're saying, we are the sons of Abraham. Have you ever heard somebody pray that? I mean, Abraham's a big dude in the Bible. God comes down to him and says, I'm going to bless you and your people, and they will be as numerous as the stars in the skies, right? That's the numerous stars in the skies. That's them. And he's saying, we're his sons. We've never been enslaved. How do you say you're going to set us free? Well, this isn't the freedom that Jesus is really talking about because this is prideful freedom. This is lineage freedom. You know what's scary about pride is it's probably the most subtle sin. It, it, it's the sin when like all of a sudden it's like I wouldn't interact with this person because of who they are or I wouldn't go here or do this. And, and just being honest, we see this a lot in the church. We see it a lot and it, and it really scares me to death because the job of the church is to glorify God and to go and make disciples of all nations. That means going out. But the fear that I have is this, is, is that we are coming together tighter and tighter, especially in the American church, to the point where we're not even giving people the opportunity to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Do you know that the church right now is absolutely exploding in England? It's just blowing up. It's going nuts. You know, it's going... Nuts in Asia, too. It's going crazy in Australia. It's going insane. And I mean, it is just spreading like a wildfire across Africa. And it's dying here in America. We'll have 3,500 churches closed this year. Shut the doors for good. I believe that pride has gotten the best of us. We've gotten away from this. We've gotten away from Jesus. We've gotten away from his cross and what it means and the sacrifice, I mean, do, do we understand the absurdness of keeping people from something that was a free gift to us in the first place? Do we see that? Do we see the weight that that puts on us as a people, and especially me as a pastor, because I have to teach this to you, because I am held responsible before God for what I've taught you. And I'm telling you that this is a free gift that I'm hoping that you've accepted, this is something that you have. But if, if your pride will be at a level that you're saying, no, 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 no. My family 
has been in this church for so long. I was born into this. I don't give this out to people. That's a pretty deep sin that we all need to repent of. We don't want certain people in here. That's just garbage and and, and we can't have it. Verse 34 says this. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Very plainly, if you sin, you're a slave. You're not free. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know you are the offspring of Abraham, he says. I know who you are. I'm God. He could have said that. He didn't say that there. Because I know that you're the offspring of Abraham. But do you see the sins that you commit? Anyone who sins is a slave. I got my hand up. It's a free country. I can do what I want. Question, Tom brought it up this morning. It's not in my sermon notes, but I thought it was a great point. He said, you may be free to do what you want, but are you free to not do what you want? Do, do you know what sin is? Sin is a, sin is a, is a master. It's, it's, it's when it calls you, when it beckons you, and you go, oh yeah, I want, I'm, I'm, I'm back. Or, 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 I mean, and I'm just speaking to myself here, when that sin call, calls you, but this time it's the last time. Fellas, it's a click of the mouse a lot of times for us. This time's the last time. I'm not going there again. You're a slave to that junk. And I'm not saying, trust me, I'm not, I'm not trying, like I want to disobedience to it for easy. I'm not coming down on us. And, and I know that there, there's, there's a happy part at the end. Don't worry, I'm getting there, okay? But we just, I mean, it's so upsetting, isn't it? I, I primarily hang out with, with high school boys. That's, that's primarily what I do. And, and, and they're one of my favorite groups to hang out with. And this is totally off my sermon notes, so I may just end it short so I don't keep you late. But this it's just way out of my heart to share this with you, so I'm just going to. Is, is, is here's what happens. Is I have these young men, and, and I did college guy ministry before this. And to be honest, college guys and high school guys aren't really that different a lot of times, especially in what they're struggling with. I'm 25. I'm not that far removed, okay? Um, but I, we would come into a small group setting every single week, and I'd hear the same thing, usually from the same people. Man, I blew it again. I, with guys, just sorry if this bothers you, but it, it, was always, it always seems to be pornography. It's like, man, I, I looked again. I don't know why. And then he'd show up next week, and he'd just be like, man, I looked again. I don't know why. And I just wanted to, like, you know, you just want to get the guy a T-shirt saying, hey, I looked again. I don't know why. Because we knew he was going to come every week and say that. But I've, my heart went out to him because it, it's just, it, it's so upsetting. But, 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 but here's the problem. It, is, do you know what pride is? Pride is idolatry. Pride is saying, what I want is bigger than what God wants for me. So for, for this guy, every week, his idol was sex that he couldn't have. Or that wasn't his. That was his idol. 
and he worshiped it. And every week we'd get together and we'd pray for him. But we don't, we, we, this is the mistake, and, and this is the mistake I made as the leader for a long time. And I, and I, I really hate that it. it took me this long to figure it out. But it's ba- basically, you guys know dandelions, they just grow like crazy. And, and anybody who ever had to mow the, like, the lawn as a kid, you just go out and you just mow off the top of them because it looks good for about a day. And then it's back, and it looks like crap again, and then your mom's pissed that you didn't really do what you're supposed to do, and there's still dandelions all over the yard. Okay, maybe you didn't do that, but I did. Um, we had two acres. That's a lot of dandelions. Um, when we only address that it's pornography, or whatever it is, fill in the blank. When we only address that, we're just cutting off the surface level, and it grows right back. We had to get to the root and say, man, this is sex that isn't for you. This woman is not your wife. You're not married. This isn't for you, and you need to stop idolizing that, and we need to work on your pride because you're, you're not content with what God is going to give you or how he's going to work this out. And sometimes it may not even be really what you want or the most ideal situation Because to be honest, pornography is a big fat lie. I'm married now. It is not like it is in the videos, okay? I don't know if that's a big surprise. Sorry, Ari. She's like blushing. It's just like sexual relations is nothing like it is on TV. I'm not surprising anybody there. (laughs) I won't say anything else about that. But we were able to work through that. We were able to kill it, to smash the idol. Do you know in the Old Testament what they'd do with idols? They'd literally break them. They'd take them and they'd throw them on the ground and they'd literally stomp them. They'd break them into pieces. For some of you, I encourage you to make a picture of it and burn that junk or stab it or I don't know, light it on fire, beat it up on it for a little while. I was in Serbia for a while. We were on a mission trip and we started studying idolatry and that's when a lot of this started coming to me. And so what we did is we made this giant like thing out of like soda bottles in the backyard and I turned it into a giant pinata and I was like, there's our idols. Everybody wrote it on there and we all came out with a big stick and just beat on it for a while. I know that sounds stupid. It was awesome. You need to break it, not at the surface level, but at the root. Pride is the first big game we play. Because when we have that, it's fake. It's not real freedom. It's a big, fat lie. Game number two is this. It's religion. Some of you might be going, what are you talking about? Did you know that there's a very big difference between Christianity and religion? And this drives me nuts. If, if, there were, if there was a mantra for religion, it would be this. I obey, therefore I'm accepted. The mantra of the gospel salvation of Jesus Christ, the, 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 the mantra of Christianity is, I am accepted, therefore I obey. The first one was, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. And that is just garbage because here's the bottom line. You can't do it. Do you understand that? God is not a list of rules. And, and there are rules. Like, I'm not just throwing that aside saying, 
do whatever you want because you're accepted. Okay, we're not fighting that pendulum here between license and legalism, okay? What I'm saying here is, I just hear so many people, they can list off everything that they've done well and how much they deserve because of that. How many of us really, honestly, let's just be honest with one another. How many of us honestly believe that we're really that good? That our hearts are really that pure? That we really follow the rules that well? Maybe you're better than I am. Man, I am just a messed up fool sometimes. Pretty much all the time. That's why I have to get up here and I have to pray, God, just forgive me for what I, I probably thought something stupid walking up here. Because that's the problem with religion. It, it, it puts it all on you. There's a great line in a song. Um, there's this band that we, we were friends with when we did college ministry. Their name was Foolish Things. And they, they wrote this song. And, and, there was, and one of the lines in the song is, I know myself well enough to know that I don't want to anymore. That really, just because I, I hear people say, I'm, I'm finding it in myself. Now, do I think it's bad to know yourself? No, I don't. I think it's a good thing. Because if you don't, you're just never going to learn from anything. You need to learn how, what, what you do well, what you do poorly. You need to learn the areas that you, 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 you like thrive in and the areas you don't. I'm not, I'm not knocking those things. But what I'm saying is that I know myself well enough to know that my heart is not very pure. And that without the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, the free gift, the atonement, those things... Without that, without somebody dying in my place who lived the perfect life, that there is no way I should get accepted. I've, I've said this before in this church, and it's shocking to some, um, but when I, when, when, before I was a Christian, you, you, I, I came out at a very different level. Very different level, because here's what I got. I got hell. That made sense to me. You tried, you failed, you go. Try again next time, maybe. I didn't know. You weren't good enough. I knew that. What I didn't get, my struggle was heaven. My struggle was freedom. My struggle was acceptance from a perfect God. I didn't understand how this perfect man, who was God from the beginning of time, could humble himself it's called, you know where we get the word humiliation? It's from when Jesus came to earth. That's what that means. He humiliated himself to become a man. So that, that's where we get that from. That this guy, so, so let me get this. This is my struggle, to be honest. Like, so you're telling me that there's this perfect guy who came, even though he had everything he'd ever need, he was sitting on a throne in heaven, where everybody was worshiping him forever and ever and ever, amen. Right? We see that in Revelation. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It's Jesus they're, they're singing to. That he would look down on me and my imperfection because I did some pretty bad things. I was a messed up little kid, man. And, and, and that he would come down and he would look on me with grace and, and, and that he would 
live a life, experience all the temptations that I had, defeat that, go to the cross, he could see and feel the weight of everything I was ever going to do wrong, that he would take nails and take a beating and get hung on a cross in my place, knowing exactly everything I would do, and tell me I'm forgiven even when I don't always ask for it. And then he's going to come back. This part just really confused me. He's going to come back on a white horse in the sky. There's going to be a sword coming out of his mouth. I didn't really understand that. I just thought that was weird. Now it's like my favorite scripture in the Bible. Read Revelation 19. Guys, if you ever need to like really picture Jesus as like just dominating and just get you pumped or something, I, that's like, I read it all the time. I love it. He's got a big tat on his thigh. It says, Lord, Lord. Just read it on your own time. At that time, I didn't understand it. I didn't, I, that didn't make sense to me. But that's the offer, as crazy as it sounds. Religion says, try your best. Obey this list of rules, and you'll be okay. But I, I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb, and I'm just going to say that my guess is the people sitting in here, if you were really honest with yourself, that you know you will never obey. You might for a little while, but you won't. Unless, unless you take the free gift that is Jesus. And there's a crazy, crazy, supernatural, metaphysical, Holy Spirit transforming in your heart, through your life. It's called sanctification. It's just a lifetime of starting to become more and more like Jesus because guess what? We just talked about it. You're following so closely. You start becoming more and more like him. And all of a sudden, you start getting free. So that's the second game we play. It's religion. Uh, Let's go to verse 37 through 44 is what we're going to look at here. It says in there, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Do we have that? Oh, go 38, Ryan. I'm sorry. No, 37 through 44. Yeah, that's right. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. Verse 39. They answered him, here they go again, right? They're not exactly the sharpest tools in the shed. They're not getting this yet. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father even God. Now, let's stop here for just one second, just so you understand what they just said to Jesus. We're not born of sexual immorality. They're talking about his mom. Born of a virgin? Please. We're not a bastard child like you. That's what they just said to Jesus. We weren't born of sexual morality. We have one father, even God. 
So let's see how Jesus responds because I would have been putting some people in the octagon and maybe hiring somebody if they were bigger than me to beat them up. But that's just how I see it going down. I'd take the smaller ones. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Can you just, can you picture Jesus just like, just like, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, like I said, I hang out with middle schoolers and high schoolers. It's just like, why don't you understand? I just want to drop them sometimes. And we do because we love them. And that's what we do with middle school boys. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Here's where it gets intense. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and he has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He just tells them, your daddy is the devil. Shut your mouth. This game, I renamed it. Tom had like five names for it and I asked him to send me a text message on which one it was because like, I wasn't sure and I didn't really, I wasn't a Sesame Street guy and he used an example from there, so I just came up with my own one. It's, we know best. Unwilling to even when Jesus is standing right in front of us, admit who he is. Do you guys see it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like we read this and we and we just go, "This is so insane." How could somebody say this, Jesus? But I don't want us to play the Pharisee game that I think we do in a lot of churches with the religious people, where we go, "If I was there, I wouldn't have done this." But my life is a screaming testimony, saying that I do this every day. That Jesus will call me to do something but I do not choose to listen to his words. When I remember when I was in college and I got there in the first month, I just went nuts. Like seriously, like, I mean, I just went crazy. I, I don't know why. It wasn't like it was like the first time I'd ever been free. I grew up in bars. My mom was a bartender. My dad was a musician. It wasn't like the first time I'd ever been around alcohol or anything like that. I just went nuts. And about a month in, just some things happened. I won't go into the whole story, but basically, I was left at a pretty low point, and I just decided, you know what, I'm committing my life to this thing. And I got involved with Ignite, and I ended up getting in a leadership position, got to run it for a few years, and it was just amazing how God worked that all out. But do you know how, you, you want to know how I did it? I, I didn't, how, how like I stayed relatively on the right track. I mean, granted, yeah, I sinned a lot, messed up a bunch here and there. I'm, I'm not saying that I, like, from then on, I was perfect. I even walked on water. You should have seen it. No, like, that's not what I'm saying at all. There's a verse in the Bible where it says, you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. That I remember Jesus always provided me a way out. His desire was not for me to fail, and I had a choice. I could listen to him, and I could hear his words and receive them, or I could listen to the enemy. I could listen to the devil and listen to what he wanted me to do. I had a choice. There's a book called The Barbarian Way that Erwin McManus wrote. 
And in there, there's a story where he, uh, his, his son goes off to this camp and he keeps getting in this fight. And so he goes, and he, and he goes to get his son because like, dude, your son's going crazy. They can't. Him and these other kids are fighting and so on and so forth. And, and so, and so he, him and his son sit down and it says they're on this rock. And uh, he asks him what's going on. He's like, well, what's God telling you to do? He's like, well, I, I, I know what God's telling me to do, but this kid just makes me so mad. And what, I, what he said to him, it, it really kind of changed my life. He said, did you know that every single time you choose to listen elsewhere, it gets a little bit harder to hear the voice of God? It's not something that I like. I, I, I hate it, and I have, I, I have family members, I have friends who I, I've witnessed worship God, but now say that they can't hear God. They don't know where he is. I hate it, and I, I pray for them daily. I, I saw, that's like the biggest thing in school, man. I mean, when I was in colleges, we just saw so many people come in just on fire for Christ. And by the time we, we got through it all, I, I, there was, it was a huge turnover. And I, I, I don't know what it is except for this. They couldn't hear the word anymore. They couldn't hear it. We chose elsewhere, and that is not freedom. Do we understand that? That the, the pride the religion, the listening elsewhere. That's not freedom. I mean, wouldn't life just be so much easier if we could just get it through our thick heads sometimes that Jesus actually wants something better for us than we want for ourselves? Have you ever thought that through? Have you ever actually just done something that, man, you feel like Jesus is calling you to do this thing and you're really nervous about doing it and you do it and it's amazing how it works out? Like, I remember one time, and I'll just tell an honest story. One time, um, I have a huge, I used to have a huge problem with smoking. I, I really had a huge problem with it. And, and especially when I traveled and like there was a point in my job for a little while where I was traveling a lot and, and, and I was gone and I smoked and, and some girl in the airport saw me and, and she called my wife's boss, which was weird to begin with and said, hey, I saw Matt smoking. My wife called me up and was like, hey, did you smoke today? And it's not even like she would have been like, I hate you. I'm leaving you. You smoked a cigarette. I wouldn't have gone that way at all. But, but in my head, I just like froze up and I was like, no. And I'm like instantly just like, what the crap was that? And she's like, oh, okay. Cause she, she loves me and trusts me. And it hurt. Like it hurt so badly. And like months go by, literally months go by and I can't sleep. I literally lose sleep over months over lying to my wife about this stupid cigarette. It's so retarded. I mean, if you want any proof of how stupid I am and I can be a pastor that you can do this Christian thing, this is a really good example. Months go by and I'm just sitting there and finally like I, I have to preach. That's a really good thing for me because if I have unconfessed sin to my wife or to friends, I have to deal with that before I can get up here and deliver the word of God to you guys. So I'm like, it's like Saturday night, I think. And I, I've been thinking about it all day. And, and, and she comes, I'm like, hey, can we talk? And she's probably thinking it's something really serious because I never say that. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm like, hey, can we talk? That's not what I do. 
I don't like. I think that might be the first time I've ever said that those words in a sentence in my life. Hey, can we talk? Um, <laughs> and we sit down, and I tell her the truth. She goes, "It's okay. I mean, I forgive you." And like, I apologize like fifty times. She's like, I mean, just well, well, don't do that, you know. Like, months of sleep for this. Of thinking about it all the time. Every time I see her, I'm like, oh, I'm such a horrible husband. For that. Can we just agree that the way Jesus is calling us when he calls us is probably better than the way we want it to be? Some of us are going to have some really hard things to do because of this. You want to be free? Freedom doesn't mean easy. It doesn't. Freedom is tough. Because you've got to fight for that junk. Because Satan's going to want to take it away from you, and I can guarantee you that. He does not want you to be free. Us wanting our own freedom can blind us to actually getting to Jesus. Us getting in the way. Us having too much pride putting ourselves at a level above others, or even saying I can do it on my own. I don't need you, Jesus. I don't need what you want from me. I can lead somebody to Christ who is in a bad place. People who are doing fine are the hard ones because their pride is so big. Why do I need a God Everything's fine. Those are the hardest ones. Maybe that's somebody you know. Maybe that's you. I don't know. That's a tough. That's a tough place. I challenge you that your heart isn't as great as you think it is, and neither is theirs. And I know that's not beautiful or glorious or anything like that. But it's just being honest. And I think being honest is a very freeing thing when we can really break down where we fall short. And ask for help. Ask for people sitting around you. Say, hey, I need you to do this with me because I'm way too weak. That's the body of Christ. That's small groups. That's being involved in a campus ministry. That's attending a church regularly. We think that that's an important thing here. Yes, even if you're a college student, we think attending a church as regu- regularly is a very important thing. Jesus loved it so much that he died for it. We think church is really important here. And it's not the building. Don't worry, I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying just Bethany. I'm saying church is an important thing. It's what we are. You gotta love it. Work with it. It'll help you. I'm not gonna read the rest of the verses. We were supposed to go through 59. I'll just give you a few points just on them. Then we'll get out of here. Jesus tells them, basically, that he is God And later in the text. He says, I... I he sent me because I came from him. He does all this like Jedi Jesus mind speak that's really hard to understand unless you really just sit, sit down and dive into it. It's verses 50 through 55. Later he says, I am, which they all would have known. Because in the Old Testament, who does God say he is? He says, I am. And they were studiers of that. He's saying that I am God. 
it's funny because then they pick up stones to throw at him. And if you ever want to do just a fun study on your own, study all the ones where Jesus just disappears and gets away somehow. We don't really know what happened. It's like they picked up stones to throw him, but he was gone. I don't know how that went down. If he was just really sneaky, like the guy in Mr. Deeds, or, um, <laughs> or if he just, I don't know, if he's like, ah, oh, look, Holy Spirit blinded you, and you can't see. And everybody's like throwing rocks at each other. I don't know what happened there. Galatians 5, read that on your own time. It really parallels this story really well. Except for it's weird because they talk about circumcision, but they're basically talking about the same thing. What? (laughs) It's not a tangent. See, this is intimate. You are talking back. I didn't know that that was actually going to happen. But in Galatians 5.24 from that scripture that I was just talking about, it says this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. That is the calling, and it's a daily procedure. It's not a once and done kind of thing. Not at all. It's every day. Every week, every month, every year. It's never over. You never get to a point where you arrive. I, I, I've heard other pastors speak of this, and I'm hoping that someday you get there, that there, there's that thing, and I'm sure you guys have experienced it, where you look back five years ago and you go, oh my gosh, I was such an idiot. I think that goes on forever until you die and you get to go be with Jesus. You're like, look back like five years ago, what an idiot I was. We're never done. Ever. It's progressive. It's a work. It says, it's crucified the sinful flesh desires. Um, Ryan's going to come up and do a song, but as he's coming up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you a little bit here because it is a small group, and I want you to do something um, a little different here as they're coming up. Is I'm going to read part of the, I'm going to read some text here, and I want you to close your eyes, and I know this is really tough for guys because guys we always go, nope. We just sit here and go, close your eyes. I want you to lean back because like a lot of us are just sitting up and we're tense right now. We just had a lot go on. This is the, this is the fun part. I just want you to lean back and, and, like, and almost just breathe in and just go. And just in your head, I was doing this this morning when Tom was preaching, is just breathing in just that freedom that you really do want. And just right now in this place, just kind of like as a sanctuary that this place is right now, I just want to tell you that Jesus has set you free and that you can be free. I don't know if that just relieves some of you because maybe you have so much going on right now that it actually like hurts to even think about it. You can know that you're not hurting alone Maybe you don't know what the next step is, but, but you can know that the next step isn't alone. That's why we preached belonging last week. Some of you may be feeling your shoulders maybe relax for the first time in a long time. Here's the question. We're we're doing this series called Imagine. 
Have you been imagining freedom or are you actually experiencing it? Because imagining it is not what Jesus has called you to. He's called you to really, really experience it. Are you willing to let go of your pride? Let those walls down. Are we actually willing to crucify our sinful desires? I, I, don't, I don't know. I pray that you are, and I pray that I am. You must decide if Jesus is God or if you are. If, you, if you're anything like me, you are one ugly little God that really just kind of jacks stuff up sometimes. My life is a screaming testimony that I'm a horrible God. But right now in this freedom, in this place, in this sanctuary, you can know that Jesus is a great God. His desire is not for you to suffer go through harm, even though those things will come. And they develop perseverance and they develop a lot of things. Jesus does want good for you. I can tell you that right here today. As long as you are God, you will not have true freedom. Father God, I just pray right now as we get ready to sing that that maybe you'll just be wrecking us a little bit here tonight. God, I, I, I pray that through the tangents and through the absurd things that I've said tonight, that your word was spoken truly and that freedom is being experienced here tonight. God, even if that's just in one person, I'm so happy for that person. And God, I'm praying right now for anybody in here who doesn't know you has never experienced that freedom because it's the only way I've actually tasted true freedom and I want more of it in my life and I'd love to share it with others we're not sharing it because it's an obligation or they're a notch on the belt or that we're better than them or anything Jesus we just want you to come into their hearts into their lives Holy Spirit just fall still work on them if that's you, I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer. I know it's cheesy and hokey, and like you've heard it done probably, I bet, before, but it's not cheesy and hokey because accepting Jesus is a really big thing. Or maybe it's a renewal. I don't know. I'm just going to pray for myself. You can pray along with me. It's just, Father God, I'm just so sorry for my pride, for my religion, for putting myself over you, for making myself God. And God... I want you, I want capital G, God, not lowercase. I want the real deal. I want to be changed. I want to be set free. I am far too tired. And God, I know myself well enough to know that I don't want to anymore. And so I, I just ask you to come in and just wreck me. Do a work in my life. I know that you love me. I know that you gave your son for me. He lived a perfect life 
the life that I couldn't live. I thank you for sending him. So crazy. Thank you that you're coming back on your white horse. That'll be cool. We love you. Amen.